Good evening from Northern California. This is Robin reporting in. I'm going to read another chapter of Emily Carr, Growing Pains, the autobiography of Emily Carr. It's been a little while and we were, we had left off with New York. We are now on chapter, it starts at three, page 304, called Lauren Harris. My first impression of Lauren Harris, his work, his studio has never changed, never faltered. His work and example did more to influence my outlook upon art than any school or any master. I have to stop here for a minute. I have my window open tonight. It's very warm here. It's still 60 degrees and it's 10.30 in the night. And I haven't closed it yet, so you might hear outside noises. Sorry. Maybe I'll put music underneath this. Okay, sorry. Let me see where we were. Um, His work and example did more to influence my outlook upon art than any school or any master. They had given me mechanical foundation. Lauren Harris looked higher and dug deeper. He did not seek to persuade others to climb his ladder. He steadied their own while they got foothold. The day that I picked up, the day that I picked my way over that Toronto slush pile outside the studio building, under a bleak, wintry sky against which the trees of Rosedale Park stood bare and stark. The day I entered the dreary building, climbed the cold stair, was met by Mr. Harris and led into his tranquil studio. That day, my art, my idea of art, wholly changed. I was done with the boil and ferment of restless, resentful artists, cudgeling their brains as to how to make art pay, how to please the public. Mr. Harris did not paint to please the public. He did not have to, but he would not have done so anyway. Just once was I angry with him. That was over a canvas painted by myself, entitled entitled, The Indian Church. I had felt the subject deeply, painting it from a close-to-shore lighthouse at Friendly Cove Indian Village out west. Immediately on completion, I sent the canvas to an eastern exhibition. I had a red-hot hustle. I had a red-hot hustle to get in get it to the show in time. I wouldn't know know those days. (laughs) I actually have one right now, and I don't know why, but I procrastinate all the time about getting this thing done about shows. Okay. I had a red-hot hustle to get it to the show in time. The Indian church had three would-be purchasers. To my unqualified joy and pride, it was brought. It was bought by Mr. Harris. A few months later, I went east for a group show. After the preview, Mr. Harris entertained the artists at his home. Taking me by the arm, come and look, he said. Above the supper table, beautifully framed and lighted, hung my Indian church. 
Surely Mr. Harris's house must have bewitched the thing. It was better than I had thought. I had hurried it into its crate, having hardly given a second glance at it. I had scarcely, scarcely the courage to look now. There were people all around, the picture saying kind things about it. I was embarrassed, being unused to criticism of that sort. Out west, why, only a week before, I had attended an exhibition of the Island Arts and Crafts Society. My sisters invited me to take, to take tea with them at the social function connected with the affair. I draggled behind them, hating it. We had tea and gossip with friends. No one mentioned my two canvases, so I hoped that perhaps they had been rejected, for I shrank from facing them with my sisters present and with people I knew standing about, people who, I was aware, hated my work. They were hanging in the last room, right in front of the door. With an angry snort, my most antagonistic sister saw and turned sharply back. We will go again to the flower paintings. I like them, she said, pointedly, and we wheeled. My other sister gave one backward glance. Millie, she said, I do like. My breath stopped. She had never expressed liking of anything of mine. Your frames, she finished. (laughs) Many times Mr. Harris wrote me enthusiastically of the Indian Church. He sent it to an exhibition in the United States and wrote, I went to the U.S. show. Your church was the best thing there. A swell canvas. I do not think you will do anything better. At that, I flew into a rage. Mr. Harris thought I had reached the limit of my capabilities. He... Wait, sorry. I need to stop here and adjust my glasses. There we go. Uh, swell canvas I do not think you will do anything better at that I flew into a rage Mr. Harris thought I had reached the limit of my capabilities did he my well my limit was not going to congeal around the Indian Indian church I sent other work east he compared it unfavorably with the Indian church I had thought this work just as good perhaps better Mr. Harris did not He still praised the Indian church. You limit me. I am sick of that old church. I do not want to hear any more about it, I wrote angrily. His answer was, Good. Still, that Indian church is a grand thing, whatever and despite what you think of it. We dropped the subject, but he went on writing helpful, encouraging letters. A lesser man might have huffed at my petulance, even stopped writing. If he had... If he had, I would have broken. Hmm. Oh, Molly's like has to do her thing on the clawing board there near the window. I had now become independent of Indian material. It was Lauren Harris who first suggested I make this change. I had become more deeply interested in woods than in villages. In them, I was finding something that was peculiarly, peculiar, peculiar, that's peculiarly my own. 
While working on the Indian stuff, I felt a little that I was but copying the Indian idiom instead of expressing my own findings. To gain freedom, I saw I must use broad surfaces, not stint material nor space. Material in the West was expensive, space cheap enough. I bought cheap paper by the choir, carrying a light folding carrying a light folding cedar wood drawing board, a bottle of gasoline, large bristle brushes, and oil paints. I spent all the time I could in the woods. Once or twice each summer, I rented some tumble-down shack in too lonesome. Sorry, in too lonesome a part to be wanted by summer campers. Here with three or four dogs and my monkey, all my troubles left at home. I was very happy and felt my work gain power. I sent a bundle of these papers, paper sketches east. Mrs. Hauser showed them to a group of artists in her house and wrote their comments to me. The criticism did not help much. However, they did all seem to feel that I was after something, and this cheered me. Lauren Harris wrote, I saw sketches. They are vigorous, alive, creative. Personally, I do not feel that. Personally, I do not feel that your sketches ate subject. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not reading very well because of the funny light in here at, at this point. Now let's try to. Okay, there we go. Oh, where was I? The criticism did not help much. However, they they did all seem okay, which cheered me. Lauren Harris wrote, I saw the sketches. They are vigorous, alive, creative. Personally, I do not feel that your sketches are subject to criticism. They represent vital intentions. One can only say, I like this one and I do not like that. They are unusually individual individual, and soaked with what you are after more than you realize. Perhaps don't let anything put you off, even if you come through with but one out of three or four endeavors hitting the mark, the, the thing woven into vital song. Keep at it. When in my last letter, wrote Mr. Harris, I said there is no evolution in art. That, I think, is true. But not with each individual artist. Each artist does unfold, come to his or her particular fullness. But in art as a whole, there is not evolution. There is a there is change of idiom, approach, and expression, development of means, media, and paraphernalia. The old masters have not been surpassed. Modern artists do different things in terms of their day, place, and attitude. Great works of art are the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we but we but endeavor to be ourselves, deeply ourselves, then we approach the precincts of great art, timeless, the soul throughout eternity in essence. Lauren Harris did not separate art from life. You could chatter to him freely about what to most 
what to most people seem trivialities, observations on woodsy things and about animals, as well as about work. Honest observations interested him. I wrote him of my friendship with Sophie, the Indian woman. It goes to prove, he replied, that race, color, class, and caste means nothing, mean nothing in reality. Quality of soul alone counts. Deep love transcends even quality of soul. It is unusual, so deep a relationship between folks of different races. Sometimes my letters were all bubble, loveliness of the woods and creatures. Again, they dripped with despairs and perplexities. Then he would try to set my crookedness straight. He would write, in despair again? Now this is too bad. Let us be as philosophical as we can about it. Despair is part and parcel of every creative individual. Some succumb to it and are swamped for this life. It can't be conquered. One rises out of it. Creative rhythms plunges us into it, then lifts us till we are driven to extricate. None of it, none of it is bad. We cannot stop the rhythm, but we can... My cat is just driving me nuts tonight. Sorry. Uh, Some succumb to it and are swamped for this life. It can't be conquered. One rises out of it. Creative rhythm plunges us into it, then lifts us till we are driven to extricate. None of it is bad. We cannot... We cannot stop rhythm, but we can detach ourselves from it. We need not be completely immersed. We have to learn not to be. How? By not resisting. Resistance is only an aggravation. One, I think, that we should... One, I think, that we should escape from. If if we learned... Golly, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I know better than to read at night instead of the morning. And I've got a cat that's prowling all over the place in the bedroom here. She must be catching little gnats or something. I don't know what she's doing. She's my spider cat. She likes, if there's a spider on the wall or something, she goes for it. Oh, now she's looking at shadows and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, there are little bugs crawling around in here that she's after. (laughs) Jeez. She made a hole in my screen today. She was lying on the on the windowsill. I had the window open, and she she's so fat. She laid in the in the windowsill where she normally lays, and her foot went through the screen on the bottom part of it. Oh, I gotta fix that for summer. Okay, and I think my phone just died. Let's see what happens with this for anchor when it's doing that. Oh, it's still recording. Okay, here we go. Let's see here. Let's get to this part again. None of it is bad. We cannot stop the rhythm, but we can detach ourselves from it. We need not be completely immersed. We have to learn not to be. How? By not resisting. Resistance is only an aggravation. 
One, I think, that we should escape from if we learned that all things must be faced, then they lose their potency. It is no good to tell you that your work does not warrant despair. Every creative individual despairs, always has since the beginning of time. No matter how fine things, no matter how fine the things are, there are always finer things to be done and still finer ad infinitum. We have to be intense about what we are doing, but think what intensity does, what it draws it into itself. Then, do you wonder that if things do not go as well as we anticipate, the reaction from intensity is despair? Keep on working, change your approach, perhaps, but don't change your attitude. interesting um i just did a cast this morning about or maybe it was yesterday about this series that i'm working on right now maybe i'll see if i can find a way to post it over here on anchor the discussion about my despair recently about how i had just finished three paintings in the last few days i was spent some quite a bit of time and was enjoying it and then I got through with it and thought okay I think these are getting done I kept walking back and forth and then I put them on the wall to try to take some photos of them and I was just like the more I looked at them the more I wanted to just paint over them so we'll see if I can get that discussion over here I don't know but I relate to this (laughs) this despair to the text. Arthur Lesmer, the lecturing member of the group of seven, came west. He visited my studio, went through my canvases. Lesmer's comments were so mixed with joke, either at his own or at your expense, you never quite knew where you stood. Oh, excuse me. His criticism left me in a blur. On the lecture platform, Lismer. On the lecture platform, Lismer draped himself over the piano, and worked modern art enthusiastically, amusing as well as impressive. Lauren Harris wrote, "Lismer is back from the West, full of his trip. He had great things to say of your present work. Could see it emerging into fruition. If I could convey to you his look when he talked about your work." discouragement would never enter your mind again. I suppose we are only content when all our sails are up and full of the winds of heaven. Certainly the doldrums are trying. I hope all your sails are up and full of the winds of heaven under high great skies. Mr. Harris wrote me of making a selection of pictures for an all-Canadian show in the United States. Choice was left to Jackson and me. Yours were all damned good things. I feel there is nothing being done like them in Canada. Their spirit, feeling, design, handling is different and tremendously expressive of the British Columbia coast. 
It's spirit, perhaps far more than you realize. We who are close to certain things hardly realize the intensity and authenticity of what we do to others who are less close. Your work is a joy to us here, a real vital contribution. Thus he cheered, gave me heart. In answer to a perplexed letter of mine, he wrote, The lady you speak of who was moved by your work was right. You may not think so, but perhaps you are not seeing what you do entirely clearly. You get immersed in the problems. The reaction from creative activity, dissatisfaction from the feeling that you have not realized what you desired. (laughs) This is so appropriate right now for me. We all are in such matters, and it is all as it should be. There is no finality, no absolute standard, no infallible judge. Life is creative, and art, creative art, is life. Wow. Every letter he wrote stimulated me to search deeper. Lauren Harris made things worthwhile for their own sake. Again, he wrote, Everything you say describes the true artist. There is no realization, no only momentum towards realization, the becoming of all, satisfying, completion, fulfillment, something indeed that we cannot attain individually, separately, only as the complete spiritual solidarity, mankind, strive we must. Again, Your canvases hang in the OSA show. The consensus of opinion, best opinion, is that they are a very great advance on your previous work. It is as if your ideas, vision, feelings were coming to precise expression, yet nowhere in the work mechanical labored or obvious. For goodness sake, don't let temporary depression, isolation, or any other feeling interfere with your work. Keep on. Do what you feel like doing most. Remember, when discouraged that there is a rhythm of elation and dejection and that we stimulate it by creative endeavor, gracious, what we, what we stir up when we really come to, live, come to live, when we enter the stream of creative life, then we are our own and have to find self-reliance, active conviction. Learn to see logic behind the inner struggle. Do, please keep on and know, if it will help you, that your work has tremendously improved. Know, too, that the greater it becomes, the less you will be aware of it. Perhaps be almost incapable of being convinced. What does that matter? There is only one way. Keep on. How can greatness be true greatness unless unless it transcend any personal estimate? How can it live in great searchings in the true spirit, in the forming, in the informing unity behind the phenomena if it knows itself as great? Creative imagination is only creative when it transcends the personal personality 
is merely the locale of the endless struggle, the scene of the wax and wane of forces far greater than itself. Hmm. Let me read that last piece again. How can greatness be true greatness unless it, unless it transcend any personal estimate? How can it live in great searchings, in the true spirit, in the informing unity behind the phenomena, if it knows itself as great? Creative imagination is only creative when it transcends the personal. Personality is merely the locale of the endless struggle, the scene of the wax and wane of forces far greater than itself. So Lauren Harris urged, encouraged, explained, I was often grumbly and not nice. On one occasion when I was cross, I wrote a mean old letter to a fellow artist in the East who had annoyed me in some trivial matter. Lauren saw the letter. He scolded me and I felt very much shamed. He wrote me, tell you what to do when you have need of ripping things up a bit. Get it off your chest by writing to me. The party you tore up was a sensitive soul. Write me when you are rebellious, angry. Bless you and your work. Once, when I was in perplexity, he wrote, I don't suppose you do know precisely what you are after. I don't think in the, in the creative process anyone quite knows. They have vague, a vague idea, a beckoning, an inkling of some truth. It is only in the process that it, become, that it comes to any clarity. Sometimes, indeed, often, we work on a theme <laughs> with an unformed idea. And, then, and when it has passed through the process, its final result is something we could never have predicted when we commenced. Oh my God, this is so right on right now with what I'm going through in my own work. Of course there must be the urge, the undefinable, the indefinable longing to get something through into terms of plastic represent, or plastic presentation, but results are nearly always unpredictable. longer the chapter is but my phone keeps timing out um okay let's see here (sighs) sold my apartment house moved into a cottage in a dowdy district old-fashioned high windows think i can paint here i i wrote to lauren harris he replied sounds good to me occasional uprooting is good for work stirs up a new outlook or refreshes the old one. When later I reported and bought a hideous but darling old caravan trailer, am now de- independent of cabins for sketching trips. Swell, was Lauren Har- Harris's hearty comment. Swell. Oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. <laughs> ah, maybe this is a sign. Another sign. Oh, okay, keep going, Robin. Yes, I too have been working. My present approach is by way of abstraction. I have done quite a number, 
and with each one learn a little more or increase the particular way of perceiving. Feeling can be as deep as human, spiritual, and resonant in abstract as in representational work. But because one has less to rely on by way of association, it requires a great, greater precision, a struggle all right. There is no doubt in my mind that abstraction enlarges the scope of painting enormously. It replaces nothing. It adds to the realm of painting, makes possible an incalculable range of ideas that representational painting is closed to, increases the field of experience, enlarges it. That is surely all to the good, but abstraction definitely cannot displace or replace representational painting. If one has not zest, conviction, and feeling, one is no better off in abstract, indeed less so. Our limitations may make abstraction seem remote, but then once we extend those limitations, which is the purpose of art, the remoteness disappears. Abstraction can have all the virtue of representational painting plus a more crystallized conviction. I feel that it will become more and more the language of painting in the future, and no man can say what it may yet disclose. Someday I may return to representational painting. I do not know. At present, I am engrossed in the abstract way. Ideas flow. It looks as though it would take the rest of my life to catch up with them. When in your letter you refer to movement in space, that is abstract. Try it. Take an idea. Abstract its essence. Essence. Rather, get the essence from nature herself. Give it new form and intensity. You have the innards of the experience of nature. Wow. To go by. I'm going to read this again. Wow. This is so... <laughs> I just have to thank thank the universe for me being able to pick this up, this chapter up tonight. When, you're, when in your letter you refer to the movement in space, that is abstract. Try it. Take an idea. Abstract its essence. Rather, get the essence from nature herself. Give it new form and intensity. You have the innards of the experience of nature to go by and have done things which are so close to abstraction that you should move into the adventure much more easily than you perhaps think. I was not ready for abstraction. I clung to earth and her dear shapes, her density, her herbage, her juice. I wanted her volume, and I wanted to hear her throb. I was tremendously interested in Lauren Harris's abstraction ideas, but I was not yet willing to accept them for myself. They seemed the right and natural development for his work. Now that I have seen his beautiful abstractions, I think I would be sorry to see him return to representational painting. I do not pretend to understand to be able entirely to follow the principle of abstract truth, but I do feel unwordable depths in it that move me very much. In Lauren Harris's abstractions, 
I am as aware of truth as I was aware of the calm, deep sincerity which uplifted the onlooker in his earlier representational work. And in them, too, I am aware of great beauty and power. I cannot explain why Lauren Harris's abstracts move me. So, I feel power. I feel power there, whereas in some abstractions, I feel emptiness. And that is the end of the chapter. And it was very insightful to me. And the next chapter I'll be reading is called Green, (laughs) which is what I'm painting a lot of lately is lots of different greens. And I have noticed that most of my work has green in it. So thank you for listening. We are now at the end of the chapter of Warren Harris, which ended on 313. We'll start on green at 314 next time.